0: And welcome to Pints and Politics. Pints and Politics is a weekly discussion program of all things political coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough, 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. In addition to this radio show, Pints and Politics is streamed live from the Trent Radio website. We also have a podcast at pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcasters.ca, and these podcasts are also available on iTunes. And every Thursday, a small crew gathers at the Garnet Pub, local people at Aylmer. Hunter in Peterborough at 5 p.m. for an informal gathering where we talk about politics uh, at all levels. All are welcome. Please join us. We also post at on Twitter at Bill Temp and on the Cooperate Peterborough Facebook page. Uh, Joining me today
1: is Henry Clark, incumbent and Monaghan Ward. Welcome, Henry. Welcome, Bill, and thank you so much for the opportunity for us to sit and discuss items of interest to the community. Well, and thank you for coming by. I know this is prime door-knocking weather,
0: so I appreciate that. The first question I'm asking everyone, Henry, with you, it has a special maybe poignance because you've run how many
1: times? You've This is my seventh. Seventh time. So the question... Why are you doing this again? It's a very simple reason, Bill. I love working with them. I love helping make problems go away. You never know when the phone rings who needs help with something. It's not about going to meetings or sitting, reading reports. It's all about the people.
0: That's wonderful. Now, you've run seven times.
1: Could you unbundle that a bit for us? Like, when did you start? Did you run? Were you successful the first time? Uh, I was. My first uh, election was in 1998. I had just retired from the armed forces at the time here in Peterborough. And uh, the council of the day looked like it was need of some new ideas. And I was encouraged to run by a couple of former mayors. Let's see. And I found out that I actually enjoyed it and that Mm -hmm. people were receptive to my ideas. And I really enjoyed it. Wonderful. So you ran in 98 and you've been successful ever since. Yes, I have. So are you the longest serving counselor On the council at this time, I am. Of course, Jack Doris, my longtime colleague and mentor, uh, (laughs) significantly outlasted me. But from 98, so this is your 20th year. Yes. So people
0: expected you to run
1: (laughs) yeah I've had a lot of people I had people asking me if I was gonna run for mayor I still work full-time at Quaker I've been there 42 years so impossible to do both and I had to make a serious decision about.
0: yes now that was something I, I was going to get to later on but we're on it now that decision not to run for mayor that must have been hard because
1: if anyone's in the city and the city is qualified it would be you yeah, it was, but I had to look on the personal side of uh, my career at Quaker and where I stand there, where my life is, what I wanted to do. I thought, you know, mayor would be interesting, but you also lose contact. You lose contact mm-hmm. on the the day to day basis with the, and that's where my true love is.
0: Right now, we were talking just before uh, we started recording about the change in public dialogue. And I wanted to ask you something. Uh, Sylvia Sutherland was on the program a few weeks ago on our panel. And uh, she made the point that there's a difference between listening to people and agreeing with people. And she notices a trend that people say, well, you're you're not hearing me. And her retort is, no, I heard you. I don't agree with you. But these days, apparently that nuance is lost
1: Do you see that i I do indeed we have people come to us and say well we are a majority maybe they are sometimes and sometimes they aren't Mm -hmm. but you have to be very careful to separate the wheat from the chaff (laughs) And to look at what really is the issue, you have to consider what people are saying. But you also have to consider what the experts, whether that be staff or consultants, whatever, are telling you. And you have to make a very careful, informed decision.
0: Exactly. Now, you're out at the doors. Uh, You told me just before the program started
1: before we started recording that um, you've knocked on over 2,000 doors. Yeah, I've been to... um, Within a fraction, half of the ward so far. And I'm going to be out uh, all next week on vacation, door knocking. How many hours a day? Oh, probably about six, maybe seven. It just depends what the weather. If it's too hot, I'm down 12 pounds. (laughs) You know, I I really appreciate there are people who will take a lot of time and and talk to you about what's important to them. And that connection is absolutely vital. It's another reason why I'm glad that I'm still working because I interact with hundreds of people at at Quaker, and uh, as well as the people that call me, email me, wanna see me. So again, you're being exposed to ideas uh, in favor of something against something, new ideas that somebody has heard and said, hey, have you even considered such and such? Maybe this would be good for a community. Now, what, uh, if I can
0: ask, and not without revealing intelligence from the field and the military sense, what are you hearing at the doors? What are people
1: talking about? What, what do they want to talk to you about? Well, that's the interesting thing because I had some preconceived ideas of what I would hear. Sure. I'll be honest. I was expecting I would hear a lot uh, about the recent controversy with their utility, and I have heard some of that. You're more, PDI. more, I'm probably hearing about transportation. The parkway is still a major mm. issue to people. Again, both for and against. Right. The issues that probably are the most are the ones that are the individual ones. Let's say the ones I love dealing with. My tree needs pruning. Uh, there's a pothole on my street. Oh, I wanted to talk to you about... It's their opportunity to have one-on-one with their their counselor or their future counselor, whatever, and see what he or she is made of and what they can do to help. I was,
0: uh, I've only run once, uh, last time in Northcrest, and uh, I was stunned by the number of times people actually thanked me. Do you encounter
1: that? All, all the time, and, and you know, you'll stand there and you'll take half an hour of a person's time or five minutes or whatever, yeah. and they'll thank you. I always thank them for right. their time they gave to me. But but you're right, and, and people appreciate the fact that you are willing to do something on their behalf.
0: Now at the doors, are you here? You've mentioned the PDI and the Parkway. Are you hearing anything about the official plan review?
1: Nothing on that no. one. And, and I, I know it's a topic that you're very interested in. And we know that it's It's the building block of the city in, in terms of, of the structure, the future vision, where we're going to go. Sure. that It has a relatively narrow, I'll use the word appeal to people <laughs> or interest. The people that are really concerned and and thinking about it spend a lot of time on it. For most people, it's, yeah, it's another report. Uh,
0: No, I I understand. Now, were you at the design charrette that uh, was put on in early June that the city sponsored? No, I wasn't
1: able to be there. It was during work day, and Quaker does like me at the desk
0: occasionally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I understood.
0: It was quite impressive. What is your sense of the city's? approach towards civic engagement are things is the city changing is the city hearing feedback from citizens how is that
1: playing yeah if i think back to when i first started i won't say there was no such thing as civic engagement because we had public meetings and people came to council and so forth but i think as social media has become evolved, Mm -hmm. the city's on twitter we have our website and we're trying to improve that you you are seeing more and more an effort know what people are saying and thinking uh we've tried ward meetings i wasn't happy with how uh, they went in any of the wards. frankly i i didn't think we got the people nearly enough uh, motivated so we've got to try something else we we've looked at participatory budgeting Mm -hmm. and I was really sorry that we didn't take it the next year but I'm hoping this coming year that they'll revisit it because that's an opportunity for people to really say what they want their community to be about decisions that are made in isolation are not always the best Mm -hmm. ones now participatory budgeting did seem to be gathering momentum What's your hope for the future with that one? I'd like to see us try it again, but with a bigger budget. Well, $25,000 per ward was a lot of money to you or I. Don't think it grabbed the imagination of people or what they could really do. I've been up to Hamilton to meetings there about participatory budgeting, and I've had the opportunity to talk to a couple of the local experts mm-hmm. here. Once people see some successes or see how they can take multiple opportunities. I, I remember there's a what used to be a church in Hamilton where they, they started with do it, fixing one part of it. Then the next year they went back for another grant and they fixed something else. I think they started, I think the first thing was getting the roof fixed. And they just kept working on it working on it. Now it's an incredible community center. And I'd like to see us uh, think along the lines of, of something like that where you could really invigorate the discussion and make something happen. Exactly. That sounds good. Now, in terms of other things the
0: city can do in civic engagement, are there other mechanisms you've heard that are going on in other cities that we could take a look at? For example, right now, we vote every four years, and the more obstreperous of us sometimes show up at meetings and prepare our seven-minute presentations, and you and your long-suffering colleagues have to listen to that, and there's really not an opportunity for much dialogue.
1: What, What other things could we do? I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on it, Bill. Uh, mine has been more one-on-one. I will come to your house. You can come to mine. We will sit and talk. You can email. You can. Um, that only goes so far. I, I think that trying to get people to read, to discuss, it's a ground. It's a um, a groundswell. Mm-hmm. We haven't found the mechanism yet. I mean, we stop looking.
0: Right now, part of that communication effort, of course, is the city website, and I understand there's a major project underway. I know a few of us have been invited to give some feedback. So that's that's a positive sign. What else could the city be doing and what else could citizens be doing to interact more in an informed way? Because I know for yourselves and your, your colleagues in council to sit there and listen to you know to citizens who maybe haven't had the time to read all the documents you have tends to
1: eat up a lot of time. Are there other ways to do that? Sure. You know, I was invited to a group that met on a regular basis to simply talk about the official plan in in the future. And I was blown away by their interest and their enthusiasm. There's got to be other groups out there. Invite a counselor to come, sit and talk about what they're trying to do. Neighborhoods. There's nothing to stop them from saying, hey, let's do this or let's do that. There's a small neighborhood uh, in the West End that regularly holds a end-of-summer barbecue, and they invite their local representatives. I've been many times, and unfortunately, they're no longer in Montague Ward, but I'm sure they'll (laughs) they'll continue on. Uh And we would talk about some of the darndest things, but it was all about community and how they did. And interesting, they were one group that got into the participatory budgeting because they...
0: Wonderful. Now... One of the, you could call it, a, a joy of municipal politics is you write your own policy. You don't, you don't have to. There's no party involved. In other words, not we don't have to. Candidates don't have to answer to to a party bureaucracy. How is or how does the um, the partisanship of the major parties? How does that, how does that play a role in municipal government? We'd like to think that it's not there, and yet. I've heard rumour, well, she's a Liberal, he's a Conservative, he's an NDP member, she's a Conservative, etc. How does that play? And should it be, how can it be kept on a short
1: leash? Yeah, you're absolutely right. At the municipal level, there is no place for party politics. Mm -hmm. There shouldn't be groups working together and aligning upon projects purposely stayed. As far clear of that as I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't even belong to the political party. I did it one time, and 15 years ago, I realized it was a hindrance. People were putting labels on. I mean, sometimes I think about things that you would characterize as very liberal. Sometimes things uh, farther to the right. Just you have to avoid getting into that trap because then you're not making good decisions. Mm-hmm. You, you're following what either someone else is is thinking or, or some obscure policy a wonderful phrase i'm sure you've heard it That says that a council should deliberate in many voices and speak as one that doesn't mean everybody has to agree but you've got to have good discussion you need to have people who disagree with each other the last thing you want is to have a council of everybody that thinks the same way you don't get good decisions that way right now to the doors, if we may. Are you hearing anything about the issue of taxes? Are people talking about taxes? Or when do people stop talking about taxes? (laughs) Actually, amazingly, it hasn't been a big topic. Most people who have spoken to me say they are content, which as chair of finance makes me feel good. (laughs) Then, of course, they will proceed to talk about where how it should be spent. We've got a lot of things we're trying to do within the community to... In, line. in fact, this year, the actual operational part of the city went up less than the rate of inflation. Mm-hmm. And if you were to go back over, say, the last 10 years, we're pretty close. Now, if you add on the money for capital, but that's a very specific policy, then we are, of course, above the rate of inflation. Long run, I think the fact that standards and poor proved our credit rating mm-hmm. says that we are doing things right and we're operating the city Fiscally in a very prudent manner. Okay. Now, have you heard much?
0: And I'm sorry if I'm going on a bit of a fishing trip, but these these are some of the topics I've heard in other discussions with counselors, and so I'm interested in checking them up.
1: What are you hearing about the need for jobs and particularly opportunities for youth? Yes, that that's definitely something, Bill, that you hear about. It has been a frustration of mine. To me, there's a huge opportunity staring us in the face, and that's the 407. It is coming to Peterborough. It will bring people in, not in space, but in time. And for logistics, it is so important. Now, with my job, I interact with logistics. I'm not a logistician. I have to be able to deal and understand where and how rail and truck moves. Mm. And so I know that from Peterborough, we can service The Toronto area, as far as the Don Valley, faster than someone on the other side of Toronto can get into that area. But we have a lifestyle. We have uh, an educated workforce. We have a wonderful community that is a great place for people. Don't have the land to be able to set these up. And I personally think we've been short-sighted on that. I know there's been a lot of efforts in the area. We've come so close so many times to striking a deal, and then one side or the other gets cold feet.
0: Oh, you're referring to the annexation, the south end?
1: Well, that's the annexation is one, one way to look at it. There are other ways as well. But whatever it is, we need to have an agreement with our neighbors to be able to provide business opportunity lands, whether that is warehousing or office space or whatever, so that we can bring the jobs here that... I know, want to come down the 407.
0: And what else can uh, the, the private sector, the public sector, citizens do about the lack of jobs? Uh, you know, I've been told, uh, one of the other uh, candidates told me that, he, and I forget whom, said about one or two percent, only one or two percent of Trent and Fleming grads stay once they graduate. Of course, the, the locals who live here stay, but... There's only additional 1% or 2% who want to save, because everyone else has to leave to start their career. So what has to happen to change that picture?
1: Well, you've got to have the opportunities. I mean, that's, I realize, easy to say. Uh, and again, I come back to, I believe that we are perfectly positioned, saving except for lack of land, to mm-hmm. be able to attract those kind of businesses here. The other thing is I think we need the official plan and the changes to how the city is operated and frankly built. Mm -hmm. I want to see us increase our density, uh, Mm -hmm. not just in the downtown, but there are other areas as well, Mm -hmm. because that becomes a lifestyle thing. And the younger generation is very, very interested in that. A lot want to get rid of cars. They want to be able to work and walk in the same area. They want to be able to shop and survive. If we can add 5,000 people in the downtown through changing uh, density, absolutely revitalize it. We can improve it and we can give that extra lifestyle to the community that will attract young entrepreneurs that bring jobs that want to really change. So
0: the intensity targets of the Ontario government, you're you're in favour of at least trying to meet those.
1: Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, We have to meet those. It's not just being in favour. We have to. Not only is it legislated, I think of how the city has grown and how the agricultural land is disappearing. Now, Mm -hmm. my poor grandmother has been gone for almost 50 years. But as a young girl, she lived in the Avenues, and when she was a young girl, past the Avenues was farmland. It's no longer there. Right. What will it be in another hundred years? Yeah. Where do we grow the oats for where I work? Where do we grow the, the crops to take care mm-hmm. of people? Where do we let people go and really see trees?
0: Yes, and yet the thing that urban, the new urbanists, and I know um, I've been part of a few groups presented to city council on urban planning issues. What I have to remember is that there are many people who prefer to live in suburbs. They like having their car in the driveway and having lots of space around their house. And, you know, we, li- we live in a democratic society. If they want it, developers are going to continue to provide that sort of housing. So how do we turn the corner so that living downtown in maybe a three-story building in a more intense environment how do we make that more attractive
1: Bill, well, you're absolutely right. Some people, especially those perhaps who have been stuck in a high-rise apartment, whatever, they want to get out. And success to them is the big lot and the gardens in the house. And that's why we have started mixing our subdivisions. I think it was high tide. We've stopped the cookie cutters that I remember when I first came on council. And oh, it's interesting you mention that because
0: I've seen the the plans for a little lake. I was at a few sessions there, and that looks quite different
1: from other subdivisions in other words there's some mixed intensity in there oh absolutely uh, the the new plans have single family homes have uh, garden homes mm-hmm. they have multi residential uh, and high-rise and also we're starting to get more into placing commercial and the opportunity for for a uh, small office space in that so that a person could at least in theory work and live near where they are if you can get a person out of a car as chair of the health unit, that's really good for somebody. <laughs> right. it's, it's good for the waistline. It's good for the mental health. It's good for the environment. Great. No, uh, that makes so much sense.
0: Now, looking forward past this election to the next five, ten years and longer, what is your vision for Peterborough? What do you hope to see? And, of course, in the official plan, what sort of Peterborough do you want to see, uh, you know, in, as the decades roll on? Well, we've, we've talked a bit about
1: that, Bill. I really want to see the, I'll use the term downtown because that everybody understands. I want to see us the fire our core and build it up. I want to see that vibrancy in the downtown. I would like to see us continue heavily with our bike paths and, and our active transportation. Uh, I mean, I know myself just from walking instead of driving in the last uh, few weeks. I'm down a lot of pounds. <laughs> I feel better. And that's the kind of thing we need in the community for for health and for people to live a a better life, not having to run to the doctors all the time. I want to see that vibrancy put into it through. I want to see us do the right things to bring the jobs here, that the kids can stay around and have a future. My son's in Markham, my daughter in law is in Markham, our granddaughter is there, and they'd all love to come here.
0: Public transit, what is the solution there? I mean, Peterborough has a public transit system, and if you're traveling from the downtown to, let's say, a place like Fleming, it's great, but if you have to go from, let's say, Northcrest to Fleming, it's a bit of an expedition. What's the solution?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, density does help. I remember reading a book mm. called Boom, Bust, and Echo, and it said you needed 4,000 people per square, well, I can't remember if it was mile or what, but. About three times the density of what we've got Mm. to really be able to have an effective. But we're working on that. The other part of your question, tell me the second part of your question there, again.
0: Well, in order to improve public transit, what what Ah, do we need to do?
1: Right now, our current uh, system is very much a radio one. You've yes. got to come into the downtown. Now, interesting, my wife's grandfather was the senior driver for border transit. And years ago, he said, We need to get to a hub system. And that means that instead of everybody coming back downtown, you can have transfer points and and, and stations like that. For instance, if a person wants to go up and down uh, Lansdowne Street to shop at the different places, why should they have to come back into the downtown to get from one end to the other? Right. Why not have? A shuttle bus that goes up and down, up and down, and it meets another bus at the at the end of the lake or whatever, that if you want to go into the downtown or, or head out to the north end, you're able to transport. It's got to be convenient. It's got to be predictable. Some of the new technology where on your phone, you can see where a bus is. That, I think, just in itself will help.
0: What other things are you hearing at the door in terms of changes people
1: in one sense, I'm not hearing a lot about change. What I am hearing is people that love the city, mm-hmm. they like what we're doing, they love the um, the arts and culture that we have, you, you know, the, the festival and so forth. They want, I think, a city that is sustainable, offers a future. They love the green spaces and the walking that they, I hear nothing but praise about the additional biking opportunities and so forth. They just seem to really like the uniqueness of Peterborough. Great.
0: All right. So winding down here, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a question that's uh, floated up uh, before, and that is, uh, of course, Peterborough's a hockey town. <laughs> there is considerable interest in the next arena. What are you hearing? And, and quite frankly, where do you think it should go?
1: I, I haven't heard much about it, but I was very intrigued at the presentation we had at council. When I think hockey arena, I'm not a sports fan. I grew mm-hmm. up in an army family. But when I saw the multi purpose uses that some of them have. have into they become a real community center then i started to say hey now i can see what they're all about probably just about everybody says the old public works yard downtown i think that could be an exciting spot it would be good for the the community it would certainly help the uh, sports teams both the lakers and the Peets, because it could be a really first-class modern place with a reception area with the opportunity for local conventions and so forth I just think that you could do the right thing. For me right now, I want to know cost. I'm not prepared to write a blank check for it, but I am intrigued. (laughs) Okay, that's good to know. Uh, And uh, another thing I just want to ask you is, what would you like to
0: see citizens do in their relationship to the city in order to become more involved? Uh, You've had to endure, I don't know how many presentations, including from the likes of me. What What should citizens what would you like to see citizens bring more of to the city, both in their presentations and just in their interactions?
1: It may sound simplistic, but I just like people to do things. It doesn't have to be orchestrated, it doesn't have to be centrally controlled by civic government or provincial or whatever. Neighborhoods can do so many things, whether that's tidying up a, a corner or petitioning about an unsafe crossing, or Helping somebody who can no longer quite take care of their lawns and gardens. Visiting, reading, getting out and walking in groups.
0: Thank you so much. Well, Henry, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to come by and answer questions. And
1: best of luck in your campaign. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you as always.